Welcome to Friends in Fiction, five best-selling authors, endless stories. Friends in Fiction is a podcast with five best-selling novelists whose common love of reading, writing, and independent bookstores bound them together with chats, author interviews, and fascinating insider talk about publishing and writing. These friends discuss the books they've written, the books they're reading now, and the art of storytelling. If you love books and you're curious about the writing world, you're in the right place. Best-selling novelists Mary Kay Andrews, Kristen Harmel, Christy Woodson Harvey, Patty Callahan Henry, and Mary Alice Monroe are five longtime friends with more than 80 published books to their credit. At the start of the pandemic, they got together for a virtual happy hour to talk about their books, their favorite bookstores, writing, reading, and publishing in this new uncharted territory. They're still talking, and they've added fascinating discussions with other best-selling novelists. So join them live on their Friends and Fiction Facebook group page every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern, or listen and view later at your leisure. Welcome, everyone. This is Friends in Fiction, five best-selling authors, endless stories. We are five writers and friends whose common love of reading, writing, and independent bookstores binds us together. I'm Christy Woodson-Harvey. I'll be your host tonight, and my latest novel is Feels Like Falling. I am Patty Callahan-Henry, and my latest novel is Becoming Mrs. Lewis. Mary Alice Monroe is on her way here. Yeah. <laughs> platforms tonight. We've got a little walking for getting in. But in the meantime, <laughs> I'm Mary Kay Andrews. My latest book is Glow Summer. I'm Kristen Harmel, and my latest book is The Book of Lost Names. And as you can see, we have an incredible guest tonight. We are so thrilled to welcome New York Times bestselling author E. Tafram to talk about her debut novel, her massively successful debut novel, I might add, A Woman is No Man, which, as you probably remember, was a read with Jenna Pick, a real simple Marie Claire pop sugar and book browse best book of the year, and a New York Times book review editor's choice, which is a huge deal, if you don't know, um, among many other accolades. The daughter of Palestinian immigrants, Etoff was born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. She has a master's of arts in American and British literature, as well as undergraduate degrees in philosophy and English composition, and teaches undergraduate courses in North Carolina, where she lives with her two children. She also runs the Instagram account Books and Beans and is a Book of the Month Club ambassador, showcasing her favorite selections each month. A Woman is No Man is her first novel. The other yeah. authors and I have plenty of questions for Etoff, but if you have a question for her, post it during the chat on our friends and Facebook page, and you know we'll be pulling a few live questions shortly. Before we get started, I wanted to remind um, everyone of the reason that we got started on this endeavor, which is, of course, our love for independent bookstores. And so tonight, um, Etoff chose to support one of all of our favorite bookstores, Quail Ridge Books, they're offering a discount on all of our new releases and A Woman is No Man. The link to the bookstore is posted on the Friends and Fiction Facebook page, so check it out. So, Etoff, welcome. We are so excited to have you. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. This is very exciting for me in the middle of COVID to be um, talking with people about books. Um, so I'm, I'm so happy. Thank you for um, calling me. 
Well, thank you. And um, speaking of, you know, this crazy time, what has this been like for you? How has your schedule changed and what does it look like? I have two kids, so now they're out of school. They've been out of school since March. So I think that's been the core of my schedule, just being with them, homeschooling them. Um, I'm in the middle of writing a second book, which is not going as smoothly as I I wanted it yeah. to go. Sure. Of all of it. So yeah. It's stressful. It's challenging. But um, we just have to show up every day and just do our best, I guess. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so true. I mean, we, I think we're all at a different, you know, and, and it just thrown into a different world and um, especially with the kids. And yes, the writing has been, has been difficult for all of us. I think it's been hard to focus with so many other things going on. Yeah. Um, so I don't know about all of y'all, but I am such a summer girl. And if you subscribe to our newsletter, um, you might have read today, I wrote about how the transition to fall for me is usually tempered because I love football season and Tar Heel football so much. But obviously things are going to be a little bit different this year. So um, ladies, what are you most looking forward to about fall? Because I need to be reminded. So you talk, <laughs> do you have a favorite thing about fall? <laughs> yes. The leaves, the weather. Yeah. Um, just the, the cool breeze. In North Carolina especially, we are so lucky. We have the best falls. We are pumpkin so spice true. lattes and <laughs> and all <laughs> and the writing. I do my best writing in the fall because it's like not too cold and it's not too hot. I just have a sweater and a cup of coffee and I'm good. Okay, see now I'm feeling so much better about the whole thing. So Patty <laughs> and Mary Kay, since you or since you guys are in the mountains, are the leaves changing there yet? We've seen a few. Yeah. The um, I keep I, I went to the farmers market today. And I thought about your question, what are we looking forward to in the fall? And every day that I've gone this week, there have been nothing but peaches. And today they have pumpkins and gold. And I took some pictures because I said, it's a harbing, har harbinger in the fall. And when I, I hiked Whiteside Mountain today with my dog and I could see it. I could feel it. It's coming. And, and it actually is a huge relief. And I love yeah. some of the people, but it feels like a huge relief. Do you feel that way? Yeah. And we should explain. We have a, Patty and I have a moved in together. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing it. We've been doing a writer's retreat up in Cashers. Um, and so uh, we just decided we would, um, since we're sharing a house, we'll share a screen. Yeah. Right. I'm looking forward to, we just built a patio in our backyard. And the furniture just arrived, and I'm looking forward to being cool enough to sit out there with a fire in our new fireplace. And I'm also looking forward to typing the um, yes. progress. <laughs> Those were beautiful words to type. Kristen, what about you? What's going on in Florida? Well, it's funny. You were saying that you were looking forward to Tar Heel football. I'm looking forward to Gator football, um, which is obviously starting a little bit late. But, um, you know, that's it, I, I'm a big college football fan, and that's such an important part of fall for me. Um, and uh, on top, it, in addition to that, I think it's like you said, I'm in Florida, and it's approximately the temperature it is on the sun right now. Like, it's so hot. And wow. so... <laughs> Fall isn't cool. I'm so jealous, Etop, when you're talk, uh, talking about bundled up in a sweater and drinking coffee. It's not like that here in the fall. It's just less miserable. So. Yeah. Okay, I'm and Etop, I'm, I'm looking at you. And I, so in Beaufort today, 
it, it's been feeling like fall. Like the past couple of weeks, you can just feel it coming and you, it's so beautiful. But today, it is the core of the earth. I mean, it, it, I think it's the hottest day of the entire year here today. Is it? Is it hot there or is it nice? It's nice today. I mean, it's not too hot, but I'm always dressed in sweaters. Like I pretend it's fall in the summertime. So. <laughs> I do too. I like always have on a sweater when I'm writing and getting cozy. Yes. It's okay. never too early for the fall boots, I think. That's my strategy. Thank you, Mary. Okay, well, you're right on time. Mary Alice, what are oh. you most looking forward to about fall? Oh, no deadlines. <laughs> That's the number one thing. I finished my work and I'm going to sit outside a lot and look at the fall foliage. That's what I'm looking forward to. I love it. Well, Etop, we each have a question for you, but before we dive in, would you mind telling us just a little bit about A Woman Is No Man? Yeah, A Woman Is No Man. It's set in Brooklyn, New York, where I was born and raised um, as a daughter of Palestinian immigrants. My parents got married in Palestine and they moved to Brooklyn and they had me and my um, nine brothers and sisters. So a lot of the setting of A Woman Is No Man is really based on that upbringing of being American, but telling a story that's not like the American stories that you're used to reading in literature. It's about um, it's about Palestinian immigrants and their struggle with identity, gender roles, and finding their voice as women in a culture that doesn't um, give them the recognition or the voice or the equality that they deserve. Well, it was amazing. I told you, you know, off screen earlier that a woman is no man absolutely captivated me, as I know it has countless other readers but i kept having to look at the chapter headings and be like this is happening in the late 90s this is happening in 2008 you know these things that seem like they had to have been in a completely different time and place but they were happening right here in the united states you know basically in the present day so then when i read interviews you know with you and realized this book was semi autobiographical i just could not believe it um and i marked i have marked so many pages of this book with absolutely beautiful incredible things that I just wanted to remember forever. Um, but this was one of the most illuminating to me. Um, you said, where I come from, we've learned to silence ourselves. We've been taught that silence will save us. Where I come from, we keep these stories to ourselves. To tell them to the outside world is unheard of, dangerous, the ultimate shame. Wow. So if you don't mind, can you tell us a little bit about your background and how it relates to this story? And maybe most of all, you know, knowing what you were up against, how did you find the courage to tell this story? I think um, a lot of women in marginalized communities, not just Arab communities, but they um, these women really struggle with um, the concept of shame and believing their own stories, speaking up for themselves. And this is a universal concept. Um, but I wanted to talk about it specifically from the Arab concept, the Arab American concept. Um, in my upbringing, there were a lot of women in my community who um, either weren't educated enough um, to either speak their truth or support themselves, were in very abusive situations where they felt like they had no choice, um, or um, knew that there was something wrong but didn't have the courage to speak up and I really wanted to talk about like such a universal theme for women in in the in terms of shame and in terms of telling your own truth but also specifically, also specifically as an American and as an Arab American. Well it was incredibly well done. Now Kristen I think you had a question for you talk. 
Yeah, it's tough. Um, I'm so interested in this. So I think for many of us, writing takes some courage. We're kind of pouring our souls onto the page. But for most of us, it ends there. Maybe our lives are changed a bit by finding an audience, but not necessarily by the deep digging itself, at least not to a tremendous degree. But with you, I think you poured your soul onto the page, and then it sounds like the page changed your life. So I've read mm. that after, um, after you wrote your book, you found the courage to pursue a divorce and that you faced some backlash for tackling the things you did, which I, I assume probably helped you grow into the strong woman you are today. Um, did that feel like that was going to be the end result when you sat down to write this novel? Um, it, like, did you see that transformation of yourself coming? And do you think that your next book will change you in unexpected ways too? Um, you know, that's actually a really good question. Glenn Doyle um, actually said something like, uh, just to quote her very briefly, that she doesn't write books unless she's a new woman. And I think that when I started writing A Woman Is No Man, I didn't, I didn't anticipate that my life would change. I didn't think that it was going to allow me to see the world in a different way. I just was writing it because at the time I was teaching English at Nash Community College here in North Carolina. I was teaching literature and I realized that all the stories that I was teaching were white, um, white, uh, white men or very rarely white women's stories. And I wanted to tell stories from a different perspective. I wanted to see minority voices, Arab American voices being represented in literature in a way that I wasn't seeing them being represented. So that was the reason why I started writing. I never actually thought I was writing about myself. And I never mm -hmm. thought that I would change as a result of what I was writing. But as I started to explore these deeper cultural themes and um, I started reflecting back on my own life, I realized that in a way that I was um, being a hypocrite. I was writing about things that I myself was either carrying on in my own family or teaching my daughter, um, things that I was too afraid to actually look honestly and reflect on. And I think by the time I finished The Woman Is No Man, um, I wouldn't say that it it's the reason that I got a divorce, but I think it's the reason that I changed my perspective on my life. And I think that ultimately unraveled the rest of it. And hopefully by the time I write my second novel, I hope I would have grown into another type of woman with an even bigger perspective, mm -hmm. as I would hope for everyone that's writing. That's a great answer. I'm curious. You had you mentioned about how, it, as the author, and you're writing the words that changed your life. Have you received letters or feedback to indicate that it's also changed the perspective and the lives of your readers? Yes, I have. I get at least ten emails a day from women. Um, and, and also I get messages on Instagram and Facebook, but I get these long emails that are so heartfelt and emotional from women that have never um, identified with a minority story that just so, so nicely fit with their own as like Arab women, Persian women, Turkish women, Indian women, um, Mexican women, Brazilian women, so many different types of women that are not represented in literature as much as they should be, reading their stories and identifying with them, um, finding courage in the words, or even empathizing with their mothers and their grandmothers. It's mm -hmm. just something so beautiful. I think right. one of the things that I'm most proud about A Woman Is No Man is that it's so rooted in the lives of women. And 
even if you can't identify with it yourself, you see someone you know in in the story mm-hmm. so deeply. Yeah. And it, it changes your perspective of what you thought was the way it is. And now you're thinking of all these different cultures and the generations and how things are just passed down and you don't and you don't really think about it unless you feel it first. And isn't that the power of a good novel? <laughs> really? Well, and it's so well said because I, I think that you know, even as a woman who's never been through anything like that, we still can all see ourselves in these women and see ourselves in these stories. Um, And I think it definitely, you know, it gave me just an incredibly new understanding, you know, certainly of a culture, but also of how brave women like you are to, to break out of that. It made, I think it made me understand why women don't break out of it. You know, I think it's easy for us to say, well, why don't they do this or why don't they do that? But they don't, the options are so limited that it's something that we, you know, really have a hard time even conceiving of. So um, anyway, it was, it's just incredible, obviously. You know, um, can I add too, it just makes me think, Patty, what was the quote that you always say from Joy Davidman about being brave? Yes. Uh, what is it they imagine... If we should ever grow brave, what on earth would become of us? It's it fits here, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. I think it reinforces the incredible need for multicultural voices in literature because until we've opened that page and walked into that life, we'll never We'll never understand it. We just judge what we see from the outside. You know, I remember years ago reading Amy Tan's Joy Luck Club. Yeah. Had no, and I, my college roommate was Chinese, and her parents forbade her to date any man who wasn't Chinese. And we used to joke about it, but I had no yeah. understanding, no deep understanding of how important that was to her parents. Um, she and all of her mm-hmm. siblings were what she used to refer to as CBC, China-born Chinese. And, um, but it wasn't, it wasn't until I read Joy, the Joy Luck Club, you know, yeah. which is yeah. a great story, multi-generational story about that culture. But it, it, now I think to myself, oh my gosh, all these stories, we have to hear from yeah, yeah. all these cultures. Right. Not be so isolated. Yeah. Um, Patty, do you want to ask a question? Itaf, we have this question that we try to ask all of our guests, and I am so curious to hear yours because I know that this is partly autobiographical, and you've talked about your history, but what was the reading and writing, the values around reading and writing in your family when you were growing up? I mean, we understand the values about an arranged marriage, but what about reading and writing? What were the values around those when you were growing up? There weren't any specific values around reading and writing. I mean, growing up, my parents never forbade us from or forbade me. I was an avid reader growing up. And I don't ever remember anything specific about, you know, being encouraged to read or being not encouraged to read specifically. Um, But I do think that the, um, the highlighting and importance of other values reflects in what was important for women. So most of the values that I was taught was like aspiring for marriage, you know, learning how to cook and cleaning and, you know, 
listening to your parents and being obedient and not talking back. And, you know, so the values for women are always, you know, no dating. So no talking to boys, you know, being mm -hmm. modest. And I think what is stressed for women, even if it's never explicitly said reading or education is not important, just by placing the highlight on other things, it's automatically mm -hmm. being told to like young girls, oh, well, reading isn't really that important. Writing isn't really that important. What is important is X, Y, and Z. What is important is finding a husband. So yeah. um, I was lucky enough that I was an avid reader and I used reading to transport me to different worlds, especially because mm -hmm. I grew up very sheltered. Um, and I think that reading is what allowed me to gain knowledge and empathize with people from different backgrounds, even though I hadn't met them or socialized with them myself growing up. So do you, feel like it, do you feel like it made you braver so that when it was time to be braver, the, the reading and the empathizing and the stories you read when you were young, being an avid reader, Kind of filled you with that a little bit of that courage and that bravery knowing that those stories were in you yeah i think it just made me more aware and more defiant that's what it did i think that i just wasn't satisfied with the status quo because i knew from a young age that there was more out there and I just, and I, it made me want to explore those stories. I think that's really what it did. And luckily my parents never denied me reading or any of that. Um, unfortunately though, for a lot of women in our communities, they don't need to be denied to read. They just need to be um, encouraged to do other things like, or pressure to do other things and not really like for my kids, I make sure that I'm stressing to them every day, the importance of reading, the importance of diversifying, you know, their worldview and not letting them think that marriage is the answer or motherhood is the answer and that's it. And I think that is what changes the game for, for our young kids. Was there a particular fictional character that you really I don't know, identified with as a child or that emboldened you to think you could do something else? Like the youngest, youngest was probably Matilda. <laughs> oh, there you go. Oh, I'm reading Ronald, her as a will right Matilda. now. Yeah, Ronald Dodds yeah. Matilda was probably, like, as the youngest, I can probably remember being, you know, feeling like I wanted to be like her. I wanted um, to live in the library and stuff. <laughs> she is, that is a girl who is not satisfied with the status quo, as you just said. That's so amazing. That's so well put. I want to like have that tattooed on my arm. Like yes. not satisfied. Not satisfied with the status quo. <laughs> or just Matilda. <laughs> <laughs> I love her. I'm reading her right now. Okay. Um, Mary Kay, do you have another question? I do. Um, I have so many questions I want to ask. <laughs> Etop, in your beautiful novel, you're, besides that, you're known for your coffee and your bookshop in Rocky Mount and your incredible Instagram account that, that accompanies it, Books and Beans. First of all, can you tell us a little bit about your impetus for starting the shop and the, and the um, Instagram and then second of all, can could you just let me have like a couple thousand of your Instagram followers? <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Uh, I just for following you today. Um, I will I will shout you guys out and hope you get followers. <laughs> but um, um, I started the account years ago now when I was teaching, maybe in 2015 or 2016. When I was teaching literature, I would my students would always ask me, "What are you reading? What are you reading?" And um, I used to always bring coffee to class, like during literature class, because our class was always after lunch, where everyone would come in so tired. So I'd bring coffee, and I'd always have books, you know, that we were either reading or discussing or recommending after class. And so I started nicknaming our our little get-togethers "Books and Beans" because we were re- it was a literature class and we were drinking coffee. And it just stuck. So when I created an Instagram page, um, I just called it Books and Beans and I would just post all of the books that I was reading and tell my students to go check out my Instagram page for my recommendations. And it slowly just grew into um, more people from the bookish community. I think Book of the Month reached out to me in the first year that I made the page. And I think collaborating with them really also helped um, gather more followers and stuff. And once I started writing, the the Instagram page found its way into the novel, too. And so I thought, hey, I might as well just make this a real place. <laughs> so I opened the shop, and it's been very rewarding. Even at this time with COVID, how are you surviving? Really How's your shop doing? <laughs> I mean, of course, it's not um, it's not an ideal time to have opened a business, a small business where yeah. I had to shut down for a few months because we oh. couldn't be open to the public. And that put, a, that put a lot of stress on my employees and myself. But um, as with any community, I think if you have resilient members and a lot of love there and um, a lot of understanding for each other that you'll bounce back. So I feel like we'll make it through all that. I hope so. Yeah. What's your favorite brew? Yeah, we use counterculture coffee, which is located in Durham, North Carolina, as well as all over America. But the main um, warehouses in Durham and my favorite brew or my favorite blend is uh, fast forward. It's very light and nutty. It's delicious. I'm writing that down. (laughs) Counterculture fast forward. That's great. I'm Mary Alice. Oh, my goodness. I can't imagine with all that's going on with what we just talked about, your new business, trying to make, keep it going and all that. But you're still a writer. And you mentioned earlier that you have another book in your heart. And I know the one, you know, the one you have is somewhat autobiographical. I'm curious how you go from that to the other novel. You know, what are you thinking? Do you feel comfortable telling us about it? This, this, um, to be honest, this novel has completely ripped my soul and shredded it. (laughs) Wow. It's been a tough novel because I think I wrote A Woman Is No Man in a Daze. So, you know, I told myself I was going to write it. And in less than a year, I had it written. And of course, you know, with the help of my agent and my editor and multiple drafts of the process, it got better and better and better. But the story in its entirety was there very quickly. I think I was just waiting for someone or for for the opportunity and, and it just all came out. But with this one, um, it's just been really tough 
kind of figuring out, well, what, what do I want to say now? Mm-hmm. Now that everyone's listening, yeah. I think I'm a little scared. Mm-hmm. And sure. I know I shouldn't say yeah. this on Facebook Live. But no, <laughs> no, you said. We all feel that. Yeah. But it's different. No, I think when I wrote A Woman Is No Man, I was, um, I just wanted to be authentic. And I wanted to mm-hmm. tell the stories of women that I knew for years and years and years. And women that I saw every day. And I think that was, that kind of blinded me throughout the process. Like that rage that I had for them. Like I just wanted their stories out there. I didn't care about like who read it or what they thought. I more cared about expressing these these injustices that I thought. Um, <sighs> need to have that much rage. So I think the lack of anger is slowing me down like i'm trying to think of something to be angry about, so. i can think of some things you could be angry about you know there's so much expectations yeah. after you've had such a brilliant day yeah. as you have yeah. That's and what I, was gonna say. Yeah. I think i think until someone explains to you there's a thing called the sophomore slump then all of a sudden you get very self-conscious with your writing and then you start questioning every exactly. sentence every paragraph mm-hmm. do you find yeah. that yeah yeah you're not alone I think so. yeah we're all we we're all feeling it with you we got it right here terrifying yeah. <laughs> Yeah, someone said it's unnerving to have your first book be so successful. Yeah, true. It is. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's funny because I'll be sitting at the coffee shop um, writing when it's slower and a customer will walk in and say, what are you doing? And I'll say, I'm writing. Is this your second novel? Yes. How are you writing a second novel? Like, what if it sucks? Like, you could be writing your twentieth no. novel and you worry if it's going. To I mean, suck. We, we think that every but time, think, exactly. But I think they mean like, aren't you afraid? They'll say like, aren't you afraid it's not going to live up? Or like, how do you sit there and which is true? Like, how do you sit there and write knowing that it might not live up? I, and I say, yeah. I have no idea. I'm just, I'm just finishing this yeah. cup of coffee and getting through this page. <laughs> well, first of all, tell that person to go away. You don't need right. to listen to that person. But second of all, and know that truly you, you are not alone. This is something that happens with each and every book, yeah. no matter how many books you've written. And that's what makes us writers because we are trying to figure out what we want to say. And I have no, I have no doubt in my mind, Itaf, that it's going to be what you want to say your voice and you'll find it oh thank you thank you that means a lot to me hearing all of you um having the same struggles really helps me feel less alone and this fraud Mm. and imposter syndrome that i feel it makes me um understand that it's not something that is only happening to me so thank you for being honest definitely not definitely not just you. Well, I think this would be a great time to remind people about our bookstore of the week. Mary Kay, can you give us a little update on that? And I'm so pleased that it's Quail Ridge Bookshop in Raleigh. They're our bookstore of the week. It's an amazing woman-owned indie bookstore, and it's been around for 38 years, I think. Oh, good. Sean put up um, their logo. They're an amazing store. And they are offering a discount on not only our new releases, 
Um, but of course, um, A Woman Is No Man, Etoff's book. So please check them out via the link on our Friends in Fiction Facebook page. And of course, if, if um, you get to come to Raleigh anytime, um, make sure you go visit the amazing booksellers at Quail Ridge. They're wonderful. They make, they make careers. Yeah, absolutely. They sure do. Well, we have um, really, I think I speak for everyone when I say that we're being pretty selfless right now, because I think we all just want to keep asking you questions all night. And we don't want to let anyone else ask any questions because we just have so much to say. Maybe we should. We should just take over. (laughs) (laughs) Well, on that note, Mary Alice, this is actually, this is a great question that I want to know the answer to. So this is great. Mary Alice, can you ask our first reader question, please? Oh, all right. From Julie Naji, I would love to know how she found out she was picked as a Read with Jenna selection. Did it change her life? And what's next? I was one of the Today Show's panelists that was on the show representing the readers. And what an amazing experience. What a kind author. And I think we all are experiencing Utah. What a kind author. So what was it like to be picked? No, I just wanted to, well, thank you. Um, I just wanted to say thank you for being a panelist and still tuning in live and asking questions. That's so sweet. Um, I, when I first was picked and I got the call, it was maybe a day before it was supposed to go live. So it wasn't like I had a lot of heads up. I was in front of um, my restaurant and I was screaming at the top of my lungs. I can't believe it. <laughs> People are looking at me like, are you okay? I'm like, how fun am I? I was so, so excited. Jenna um, is such a down-to-earth and strong and kind woman, and she truly changed my life. I don't think that A Woman Mm -hmm. Is No Man would have gotten in the hands of the readers that it's reached if it wasn't Mm -hmm. for her. And I I love her so much, and I I owe her the success of this novel, Um, and I... I, I'm just so happy. Like to me, that was one of the biggest gifts of the universe was that the book somehow landed in Jenna's hands. And I, I can't be more happy about that. That's, that was probably one of the happiest moments of my life. He taught for your children impressed. Yes, they are. <laughs> <laughs> they, they're so nice. sweet. They are. They're so sweet. It's hard to impress your children, so that's a pretty big feat, actually. <laughs> um, Kristen, do you want to ask a question for us? From a sure. sure, we have one from Sue Johnson Bishop who says, Welcome, Etoff. Congratulations on your debut novel. How long have you been writing, and what is your writing process? No, oh, thank you. Thank you, Sue. Um, my writing process, I'm a morning writer. So I like to, I've been writing since I started writing A Woman Is No Man. So I started writing it in 2016. And um, that's when I started writing. Um, And I'm still writing now. I wake up in the mornings and after I take my kids to school, when they have school, now they're still there with me. So now I can't write, but when I used to take them to school, I would go to a coffee shop and um, just plug in some classical music and just sit down for five hours, eight hours, two hours, wow. as, as much as I could every day and just write. So that was my process, just every single day, like no matter if I felt like it or not, like I just. Did it. That's amazing. I love it. 
Right. Um, Patty, could you pull a couple of live questions for us, please? I can. I have to tell you that 90% um, of the questions aren't questions. They're just comments about how this book has impacted people's lives. So I'm over here scrolling. I'm like, okay, I need a question. But they're just like, oh, I love the book so much. But I have to say that a number of people have asked on here about um, who picks the bookstore. So I want to tell our watchers that we always, we usually ask our um, author to pick the bookstore. And Etoff, you picked Quail Ridge. So um, to answer that, yeah. Um, so I have a question from a woman named Ricky Brooke. She said, how did your parents accept your divorce? That's what interesting. <laughs> that is not a good question. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> she said, um, and it's the same thing. I'm getting all of the same things. What did your family think of your book? How did they react to your book? How did they react to all of it? Um, I don't know how my family reacted to the book. I, my parents, I don't know what they thought of it. But um, my parents didn't like that I got a divorce. Divorce is very, divorce is very frowned upon in Arab communities. It's very frowned upon, I think, in a lot of very conservative communities, Catholic yeah. communities. Oh, all um, yeah. yeah. I'm Irish Catholic. That's still yeah. So I mean, my parents. Um, I haven't really spoken to my family since the divorce because they weren't they weren't really happy about it, but. You know, just to be fair, I didn't just get a divorce. I also started dating an American, which is also completely frowned upon. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I get it. I get it. I, so I get it. You wrote the, you wrote the book on it, literally. So literally, you wrote, yeah. you wrote the book on it. Yeah. And I think, I think that goes back to what we were talking about earlier, which is this courage that you have. Yes. Not only in your life, but in then writing about it. And so because we readers know it's semi-autobiographical, they, they care and want to know how it has felt for you and what it feels like for you now. Because when you read it, you have so much empathy and you're so concerned and worried about um, women making these bold and powerful choices that we want all women to make. So on a completely different note, another, a couple people have asked, but a woman named Susan has asked, what were your very favorite books besides Matilda when you were growing up? Ooh. <clears throat> when I was growing up, I, okay, so when I was young, when I was young, young, I liked um, all Ronald Dahl. I loved R.L. Stein. Um, and then I started, I loved, you know, um, Jane Eyre. Um, no, yeah. Lord of the Flies, all the classics. Oh my goodness! I love <laughs> Lord of the Flies. That's a hard I, book I like for Lord a child to read. <laughs> I, I did too. I loved Lord it. It made me. It made me think. Wow, like this is so deep. You know, like you get a piece of literature and it makes you think. Like this plot is not just a plot. It's the themes are reflective of society as a whole. And I think that was the first time for me reading Lord of the Flies where I thought. Oh my God! Like you could take a simple story and make it so complex. So, yes. Um, yes. Yeah. Did you have a favorite? Can I just put a question in? 
Yeah, sure. Knock yourself out. Do you have a favorite novel that you teach in your literature in your literature classes? Yeah, I taught. Um, I taught. I taught mostly women's fiction, even though it was an American literature class. But like, I you just did. Oh, girl. <laughs> <laughs> I um I taught a lot of um the yellow wallpaper um the oh, week my God, yes um jury of repairs yes I just I tried to focus on women's fiction um Jhumpa Lahiri um Amy Tan just very diverse and and voices from marginalized communities um like right now my mm -hmm. book of the month pick is the last story of Mina Lee by Nancy Juyun Kim. And it tells a story of a Korean immigrant and her daughter. And it's sort of like, it reminded me of A Woman Is No Man when I was reading it. It's a very beautiful page turning novel. So for anyone out there that's looking for a good book, The Last Story of Mina Lee by Nancy Juyun Kim. I think it's also Reese's book club pick too. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 And um. And all the the comments swirling in are so happy you're sharing. And they one woman just said, um, that Etoff exudes niceness. That's the only <laughs> way we can describe it. So. <laughs> I like that. You set it up. Yeah. I agree with that. I agree. And you never, you never know about people. You never know. So yeah. I think it's always so great when someone comes on and like the minute you came on, I was like, Oh, she's going to be oh. so great. This is so great. This is so great. <laughs> um, okay. Well, this is one of our very favorite parts of the show. Um, I, I hope that this is okay with you, but we love um, when our guests give us a writing tip. And so we started this to inspire us to inspire aspiring and new writers. But I think we could all agree that we learn something new every single week. And, you know, as we continue to write, you know, we're always trying to grow. So do you have a tip that you would be willing to share with our audience tonight? A writing tip? Uh-huh. Mm, okay. <laughs> I would say write every single day, um, no matter how you're feeling. And number one, and number two, if you're stuck on writing, I would say close your eyes and take like a 10 like second, like clear your brain and then just free write your emotions or like what you're mm -hmm. feeling in your body. Um, you know, exactly physically what you're feeling. Because I feel like a lot of times we get stuck in plot or story that we forget about the physical senses. And those are what really drive the characters. Like we, 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 I like spend a lot of time internally, like, oh, the character's thinking this. But a lot of times, like if we just slow down and notice how our body is feeling and try to write those down using descriptions, it's a very quick way for me to be creative again, so... What a good that idea. Is, yeah, great I'm trying to do that. That's lovely. Yeah. Stuff. Thank you. Me too. I love great that. Too. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. So we apologize every week for everyone's ever growing TBR piles, but we can't keep a good book a secret. Um, Etoff, I know you've already recommended one. Do you, if you have another one, we're happy to take the recommendation, but if not, we feel like we've already gotten a great one from you and we will post it in our group later on. Yeah, um, 
the last story of Mina Lee and um, Transcendent Kingdom by Ya uh, Gyasi yeah. is um, okay. my next my next read now so that's what I'm I read the last story of Mina Lee and I loved it and now I'm reading Transcendent Kingdom so definitely a book that um, I think everyone should have on their TBR list awesome and we'll drop both of those in the Facebook group because I know people will ask um Kristen I think you had a book you might want to mention yeah and you know I don't have it to pull up because I read it um in an in arc form on uh an ebook but it's called a Richie boy and it's by Linda Cass the owner of one of my favorite independent bookstores Gramercy books in Bexley Ohio um and you know how much we love supporting indies here so it's her second novel and it's very personal it's inspired in part by her father who was born in Austria and who served in the American army providing intelligence during World War II because he could speak fluent German. So it's a really interesting story. It's a side of World War II I never knew about. So if you're interested in that era and in supporting an, indep an independent bookstore owner, um, it's worth a read. And I will post that also yeah. on the Facebook page. Awesome. All right, Mary Alice, what about you? I do. I'm going to recommend an author that we actually are fortunate enough to have visit visiting us on Friends in Fiction. And I believe it's February, so for our winter schedule. And it's This Tender Land by William Kent Kruger. And yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's a great, it is, I think, book. one of the best of the year. I mean, it caught me by surprise. For all of you who have said on the page that you loved Delia Owens is Where the Crowd Dads Sing, you're going to love this because the nature is so beautiful. It's um, Huckleberry Finn meets John Steinbeck's Grapes of Wrath. Wow. That's what it is. And uh, the book, I mean, here's the truth. I think a lot of you know, I'm always talking about how much I've been listening to audiobooks. Um, it's, I found it very soothing during this whole COVID early stages. And now I've continued as I walk or just doing dishes. I love audiobooks. And the, the audiobook for this was so good. I listened to it first and then I bought the book. So, you know, you really loved it when you buy the hardcover. So he will be here in February and it's This Tender Land by William Kent Kruger. And it is so beautifully written. It's a masterpiece. So I highly recommend it. Amazing. Well, thank you. Um, we have some really exciting things happening at Friends in Fiction that we want to tell you all about before we sign off tonight. Make sure you stay till the end to hear about the rest of our fall schedule. Um, Mary Alice, can you tell us about our newsletter really quickly? Well, a newsletter we're very excited about. We have, for those, many of you have already signed up. It's one more way that we can involve you with what's going on with our authors' lives, our lives, and any information like what, what's coming up in our Zoom schedule. So you don't want to miss it. If you haven't signed up, go to our website. And up in the right corner is the contact. You hover over that and the word newsletter will pop up. Click it, and that's where you can sign up. You don't want to miss it. We go out frequently, and you'll be ready for our next newsletter. So sign up. It's it's really great. And you get to read really, you know, moving pieces about my love of Tar Heel football and <laughs> camp experiences. And, and turtles. Like that. All turtles. We all get to have a little contribution as well as the author right. we are highlighting. Yeah, so yeah. You, you have a, a – it's a good read. And incredible behind-the-scenes interviews, like Etoff did one this week from us for us. Um, Mary Kay, you are hosting next week. Hooray! Can yeah. you tell us about our fabulous guest next week? Yes, uh, our next our guest next week is New York Times best-selling author and Dynamo Emily Giffen. 
She's going to be here telling us about her latest book. And also, um, I'm just going to put it out here. We're going to, I'm going to um, reveal the cover for my next summer's book. So, um, oh, it wasn't. Yeah. Oh, I'm excited. Never mind. Looks <laughs> like I didn't tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Emily Gifford on last week, next week. She's terrific. I know tons and tons of people are going to be looking forward to that. So yeah. come, come back to us next Wednesday for uh, Emily Giffen. All right. And last but not least, Patty, can you tell us a little about our fall schedule? I can. So starting next week, we have Emily Giffen on September 9th. On September 16th, I'll be hosting our dear friend, Signe Pike, for the second book in her Lost Queen series. I am so excited to talk about this book. September 23rd, it's the five of us, and we'll be talking about, I'm sure, something Scintillating. Scintillating. Yes. September 27th is Christina Lauren. September 30th is Kathy Reichs. October 7th is Leon Dolan. And she was the author of The Sweeney Sisters, which is a book we all just adored. October 14th is Charlene Harris. October 21st is our beloved Elizabeth Berg. October 28th, once again, it's The Five of Us. November 1st is Viola Shipman. November 4th, we are thrilled to have Britt Bennett. November 11th is Caroline Levitt. November 18th is JT Ellison and Hank Philippa Ryan. And that is about it until we start our winter schedule. So we're really excited. And Etoff, you kicked off our fall calendar. Ooh. Such a okay. You're going to be a hard mm-hmm. act to follow. You are going yes. to be a hard oh act gosh. to follow. Yes. Well, Thank I you. know I speak for all of us and for all of the listeners. We're so grateful that you were here tonight. I was so excited that you said yes and that you would come on. And now I cannot wait to come right up down the road and see you. <laughs> I think we need to take a road trip, a road trip to Books and Beans. Yeah. yeah. 100%. Please, please do. That would be so amazing. I would have so much fun. I feel like we would never stop talking about books and writing. It would just it. be so, be so nice. good. You know, honestly, so it really was hard to stop talking to you tonight. So yeah. I would love to continue this conversation. Yeah. There's so yeah. many yeah, questions. Yeah. It was such an honor to be here. Thank you so much for extending the invitation. And you guys seem like you have so many amazing new authors. I can't wait to tune in to watch Britt Bennett, to watch um, so many other authors talk about their books. And I'm just so honored that you've considered me to be one of them. Thank you so much for having uh, me. Oh, hey, we're on. You were wonderful. Thank you. Well, reader friends, thank you as always for being here with us. We are here because of you and we love each and every one of you. Don't forget to support this week's independent bookstore, Quail Ridge Books, who's offering a discount on all our new releases. And of course, A Woman is No Man, which if you have not read this book, you guys, do it tonight. I mean, go break into your library. No, I didn't just say that. Do not go break into your library. I'm just no, but um, go to but Quail Ridge. Order from Quail Ridge tonight. Um, it's so great. You, it's it's a must read. It's one of those books that you know people are going to be reading in their literature classes thirty years from now, and you're going to have one said that you read it right when it came out. So maybe you'll be teaching your own book. Yeah. <laughs> That would be so 
so that's such a good ploy for book sales though. Like, oh, number one on the syllabus, the woman is so married. <laughs> um, all right, but until next time, don't forget to join us all week long right here in our Friends in Fiction Facebook group and sign up for our newsletter with exclusive content. Good night, everybody. Good night. Thank you, Lisa. Thanks everyone else. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Oh my, oh my gosh. gosh. She was so she was amazing. Yeah, she was lovely. Uh, oh, I yeah. do want to go talk to her. I think we should all go. Uh, that conversation was just scraping the beginning. Yeah, you know? no. I wanted to go more. Yeah, I feel I feel smarter having talked to you. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> me too. I actually I hope it actually translates into like an IQ raise for me. Right. Well, right. and I mean, and I mean this very sincerely, but I think you know, during all of this, especially when, you know, we all have those days when we're like, this is so terrible and everything's falling apart. And then you read a book like this and you're like, yeah. nope, come on. Like, yeah, no, we're, it's, it's fine. I mean, it really, it just changes your perspective about everything. Yeah. You know, Christy, the, the question that I wanted to ask, but I didn't because I didn't think we didn't have the time yeah. was she was writing about an ethnic experience. And I, that whole question of diversity and who writes, who dares to write that other, the other voice. Mm -hmm. That's a conversation that is a tough one. I know we've all been talking about it, but mm -hmm. um, I'd love to hear what she had to say about that. Yeah, that would be really interesting to hear like from her point of view, you know, mm -hmm. who, who can take on that story. She could obviously, um, because right. it was her story to tell. So um, yeah, but she was a great, I'm just astounded. I, I keep saying it. I'm astounded at her courage. Yeah. I mean, we all grew up with, you know, differing expectations in our yeah. lives. And I, I mean, we feel brave because we break out of just like these little expectations that, that people have. Right. The courage and the, the deep seated um, Defiant to be yeah. able to completely break free is an annihilation of it's it's astounding and it just it makes me want to sit down with her and and ask her tell me how like what was it inside of you that was able to do that um, but you know some of it's in the book but what I find so fascinating about that though is it's almost that she didn't realize that she had the capacity to do it until mm -hmm. she wrote it on the page. I mean, I think that's right. fascinating to me too. That, that she she dug deep and she got those words out of her and then those words changed her. It that's yes. it's it's extraordinary. I mean, the power of the power of books, not just mm -hmm. to reach readers. But to impact the writer's life, too, it's amazing. And it does make me curious what her next book is, because from the from that response to that one question about her family, she's obviously still having to be brave. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about the outpouring of letters from from readers who are facing a similar situation and. And probably facing what she did, which was becoming a pariah yeah. to her family, um, to her culture. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, she's in Rocky Mount a long way from Brooklyn where her family was. I wonder what that was like going from Brooklyn as a 19-year-old to mm -hmm. a very rural, conservative Christian place yeah. um, like Rocky Mount, North Carolina. Yeah. So. 
pretty um, indescribable. More to talk to her about. Yeah. yeah. Lot. Okay. I res I resisted the urge to do this while she was on the screen, but I have to read this to you guys because it's so amazing, and I think that all of our viewers need to hear it, and especially our aspiring writers, because it just it was one of those things that I was like circling, circling, <laughs> circling. She said, "Too often, being happy means being passive or playing it safe. There's Ooh. no skill required in happiness. No strength of character." nothing extraordinary. It's discontent that drives creation the most. Passion, desire, defiance. Revolutions don't come from a place of happiness. If anything, I think it's sadness or discontent, at least, that's the root of everything beautiful. Wow. wow. Oh, children I mean, that's authentic. That's yeah. awesome. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. It's you know what amazing. just me think? I want her autograph for the book. So we, I mm -hmm. brought up the idea that we really should have book plates. Mm -hmm. So we yeah. doesn't everyone want the autographs of our authors? Yes, we have to talk idea. about that in the future. Yeah, because we'll I would do love her autograph on that book. We'll put it on the list tomorrow. Well, thanks you all. This was a great, yeah, great, great night. One. Yeah, you did a wonderful job. Thank you. Oh, thanks. Well, thank y'all. Thank you, everybody. It was so fun to get to have her. I'm so glad that she came on. She was wonderful. See you next Wednesday night. Bye, guys. See you next Wednesday night. Yeah, see you next Wednesday. I'm sure we won't talk between now and then. <laughs> <laughs> everybody else. Good night, everybody. Not for that. Thank you. Good night. I'll see you all at 6.45 a.m. Exactly. You've been listening to the Friends and Fiction Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the Friends and Fiction Podcast wherever you listen. And if you're enjoying it, leave a review. You can find the Friends and Fiction authors at www.friendsandfiction.com as well as on the Facebook group page, Friends and Fiction. Come back soon, okay? There are still lots of books, writing tips, interviews, publishing news, and bookstores to chat about. Goodbye. Produced by Autovita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.